And we're here on the k Podcast. Ken Brown from WGR Radio. Michael here at DetroitLions.com as we talk Lions football. Hello, Mike. Hello, Ken Brown. Combine Mike. Hello. Combine Mike. This is one of those years I'm not there, and I, and I miss it. I really do. You just miss the interview okay. part. You don't miss all the other junk that goes on. I love there. yakking with other people. What a surprise. Well, yeah. well, if you would have been there yesterday, you would have had a big surprise if you'd have waiting for Jalen Carter to step up to the podium because when it was time to step up to the podium, Jalen Carter had to go back to Atlanta to get arrested. Uh, the big thing from yesterday comes out right on the combine day that he had um, getting charged with a couple of misdemeanors and will this throw his draft status into doubt? Will it drop him down the board? Will it not matter? These are questions to be answered by as the combine turns. And didn't he fly back? To fly back he flew to back to get arrested yeah. and he flew back today and doing the interview. Yeah, yeah he's sure. doing his interview. So um, I was a little more skeptical yesterday of his draft status until I thought about it overnight. And as bad as it is, and there's some things he's going to have to live with and some things that he did or shouldn't do and being irresponsible, I don't think it's going to hurt his draft status too much unless something else comes out. Right. I agree with you, Ken. And, and look, there are legal issues and there are football issues. And with the football issues, look, none of these kids coming out are perfect. They really aren't. I'm talking about perfect players. And sometimes they're not perfect citizens, but I don't think there's enough there uh, to, to, to really – look, if you liked him before at two, three, or four, you'll still like him, I would think. Right. And like I said, um, those things go down, but I just think the talent – you know, and I hate to say it in this world, but a lot of times talent overrules a lot of other things. I just – every time I see these incidents, and somebody should sit them down and talk to them, man, because, you know, you're, you're, you're risking – generational wealth on stupid acts. You know, that could have been your car that got killed. And I always think back to Reggie Rogers and in the yep. three kids he killed in Pontiac and the career he could have had. Reggie's dead now, but the the, the, the career he could have had and know how it ended up. And these are just things that were all from acts that he chose to do that yep. ruined a career. You know, and it kind of started with his brother, you know. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It really started with his brother and then he – you know, that could have been a life lesson for him. And he made a nice, you know, presentation and speech you know, when the Lions drafted him about what it meant to him. And this was a chance for the family and all that. And turned out that, he, you know, pretty much followed the same path. Right. And and, and for those who are, uh, were doing this talk, it's not being good or bad or, or good or evil because I remember Drew Rogers a lot of times. Then. He was not a bad guy. It was just that the demons no, got he, to him. He was a very he, good – he was a good guy. He just he had a, demons, man. He just he was had a things he couldn't guy, do. But he, he, yeah, he had issues. Uh, he just couldn't get over his issues. Couldn't. So he never did. Yeah, Jalen Carter, yeah. I hope you take heed, and you may have got better than you deserve on this, but learn something from it if you get out of this situation, and you know, remember the people that didn't make it through that night. So that's all I'm gonna say on that. Did Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell spoke yesterday, Mike? Uh, did you get anything out of that? Yeah, really, I did. And when, you know, first from Brad Holmes, where he talked about um, accountability and all that, and he held himself accountable. This is right up your alley. You can take, you'll, you'll, you'll knock this one out of the park on the first swing. But how he, he did not do a good job uh, building a building the quarterback room in two years, and now they're really starting from the bottom to, to add to what they already have with Jared Goff. But he really held himself accountable for the Detroit Lions. You know, not only not just having you know adequate backups, but really they developed nothing for the future in, in those two years with with the players they had. That was 
that was with with Brad and then with 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 Dan Campbell. Listen, I could just listen to him talk about anything, just about because you're going to get something, and it's. I think we found from him in two years that you know, he has sort of that Texas drawl, but this is a very, very sharp cookie. He's smart, yeah, and he knows he knows how to talk and he knows what he's saying, and it's not a not a clown act like some people tried to portray at all. No, but one of the things that really really stood out with me and something I'm writing for DetroitLions.com, I think it's next week, is what he talked about. He'd rather talk to the players than watch them run these drills because you get you get what, who they really are out of that. And he's not down on the, the drills are what they are, uh, but you're going to get all those measurables and all that, you know, from the scouts and all that. He wants to look them in the eye and what do they have to say? And he says the more they can talk, the better he likes them. Not because he wants. He's not, he's not looking for entertainment. He's looking for what they believe in. And to me, that was uh, the guys who have the right answers are going to go right up his alley. And Kenny, just not, not to keep yakking about this, but look who they've added in the last couple of years. Look in the first round with Penny Sewell, and then. Uh, uh, Aiden Hutchinson. That's in the first round. Look who they got in the sixth round. Look who they got in the fifth round. Players who like to play football. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna keep it short and sweet, unlike yourself. I will sure. keep it short and sweet on this. Um, I, I learned from the two yesterday that they could draft anybody. They're only gonna draft players that fit the Lions' uh, new philosophy. And number three, don't take, don't think that if they draft a player. He won't be Dan Campbell type of player. That's all I'm gonna say. That's what I learned out of from both talks yesterday. And and the last thing on free agents, they may not draft a, they may not go get a big money one, but the ones they get will be players that can fit the holes they need fit. Yeah, I don't think you're right with you. They're not trying to, uh, they're not trying to win the, uh, win the award for the highest contract and all that other stuff. They're trying to get players who fit what they do. You're exactly right on that. Right. All right, and um, a couple other things. Uh, Michael Brockers got cut between the last time I believe we talked. He may have been cut then. I don't remember. But um, there might be a couple of more cuts. I know people are thinking that maybe Big V might either be for restructuring or a cut, and uh, the Aquara might not make it through. It was Which Charles one? Harris last week, the uh, Romeo. So yeah. these are people that might be on the cut block, and uh, we'll see how this goes forward because free agency is going to start in a couple of weeks. And um, they can free up some more money. They got a nice chunk of change free now, but they could actually free up some more. So these are things to look out for in the next uh, week or two. Yeah, and, and if they free up money, okay, they don't have to spend it this year. They can spend it next year. That's too. right. And that's a, right. That's yeah, that's a, that's the way the rules are. Yeah. No so unis. They'll spend it. No yeah. unis this year. They'll be next year yeah, for all you know, uni people. There will be an audition. There'll be an extra helmet next year, so we, we'll wait to see how that looks. But that's 20, about it, the helmet. Is that the, is that the 2023 season? The helmet? Yeah, the 2023 helmet. They're having a uh, second helmet. So all uh, you uh, uniform guys, and I'm one of them, um, we have to wait another year, so that's okay. Um, so that's going to wrap up that part of it, but we have a special guest today, Mr. Michael Hare. Yeah, tell him who it is. Well, we're bringing on Scott Bischoff. Uh, from the Detroit Lions podcast. He's a draft expert. We'll bring him on. And he will tell us more about the Combine. And to talk about the NFL Combine, the draft upcoming, Michael here, I had to go get another expert out because, you know, I know you're, you're, you're an expert, but I just had to go get another expert. I went and got Scott Bischoff from Detroit Lions podcast on with us, our draft friend we've known for many a year. Hello, Scott. Hey, guys. How are you? All right. Everybody good? A lot of pep in the step on Combine Week, and uh, even Michael Hare has a pep in his step this week. Well, Scott, let me just tell you this. When when Kenny Brown refers to me as an, as an expert on anything, 
I'm starting to wonder about him and then me too. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I was thinking the same stuff. Like, <laughs> you, you sure you called the right guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, what, 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 while we're on the subject, the combine over the years, and I, I can remember it back, and Mike, you can too, when it was first started or when they first started really publicizing it to what it's become now. And this is me looking from the outside. Sometimes it's getting away from what the real intentions of the combine were. And I think outside of the medicals, which they get all the players here together and it's easier for the you know the NFL to get one evaluation, I don't – I don't like what it's becoming. It's becoming too fan friendly more than actual, you know, evaluation. Well, I think it's a combination of that, that too, Kenny. I agree with you, by the way, overall. But I remember, and, and this is kind of weird, but back in 1983, they had what they then, it wasn't the combine, but their version of it back in 1983, they had it at the Silverdome. And I've been on the beat for, what, six years, something like that. And I didn't even know the players were there. And that was when all those great players were there, you know. And, uh, it was it was just an amazing uh, uh, collection of, of of great great prospects, and then who became Hall of Fame players. And now you can't turn around without seeing another player. Yeah, yeah, and you know, one one thing to consider too is is the uh, it's great to get the medicals and all that stuff, but the other uh, the other part is meeting with the teams and and you know the stuff that's not on TV. All the stuff that's on TV is a little bit. Like you guys are both saying, the, the it's fan-driven, overblown stuff. Um, there are elements of, of the things that they do that that are relevant, that do matter. But you know, I mean, does it really matter what an offensive lineman does in a forty-yard dash? Really? <laughs> I don't think so. No, not at all. Not no, at I, all. I agree with you, but I think part of it is that they want to see how they compete, and that's you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if I'm an agent, I'm not so sure I want to see my player try to compete in February. That's the other part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they spend so much time, you know, after the football season's over, they stop practicing football and working on football stuff, and they do combine stuff. Um, you know, learning how to vertical jump and broad jump and run the forty and start well and all those things. And it's it's become, I think, you know, over over the last five seven years or so, you've seen these times. You know everything. All the performances get ratcheted up to to where, you know, generally speaking, I think everybody's performing better athletically than they used to. Um, I mean, you know, there are specific things like you know, for for some for offensive linemen, defensive linemen, you want to see what they do with the broad jump and the vertical jump uh, that shows some leg explosiveness kind of stuff. Um, the ten yard split in the forty yard dash is very important. Uh, it's seriously important. Um, you know, another another thing that's really important that's a very big indicator for offensive line play is the three-cone time. And, right. uh, you know, offensive linemen who perform well in the three-cone time tend to pan out at the NFL level. So there, there are some things that matter, but it's become so fan-driven. And, I mean, there's betting. You can, <laughs> you can place prop bets on just about anything at this point. It's just, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> getting, a little, getting a little out there. But, can I just add one thing, guys? Can I just add one thing to this too? We talked to Penny Sewell last year, and after because he'd been drafted, I think seventh overall by the Lions and, uh, two years ago, and asked him what was the difference in his in his second year than his first year, and Penny said, "I'm in so much better shape now." He said, "Last year I was training for the combine." He said, yep. "This year I was training. Yeah. I was training for training for football." And there's a big yep. difference. That's why if you get anything out of a first year player, 
it's a, it's a blessing to me because, like you said, they train. They leave school right after the last game or after the bowl is over, if they played in the bowl, train for this combine. And after that, they, like you said, they're combine train, and they have to get back into football. You have a couple months before training camp. Now you had a whole off season to do football and get into it. That's why I always say the jump between the first year and the second year is is big for all these players. And if you think the Lions rookies last year, you know, had good rookie seasons, they ought to have – extensionally better second years because uh, they'll be able to just play football. Yeah, and you saw them you saw them play better over the back half of the season too. Yeah, exactly right. Well, let's get into it because um a lot of first of all, let's get it right out the way, Scott. You've looked at a lot of these prospects. Lions have picked number 6. Do you think four quarterbacks are going to go in that top 5 or do you think the Lions are in the market for a quarterback? It's what and is any one of those quarterbacks after the first couple worth pick number six? <laughs> Two really good questions. Um, I'd be surprised if four, if four, if it, you know, if in April you had four quarterbacks go in, you know, in the top five picks. I just would, I, you know, Mike. I don't know what you think, but the idea of uh, a team trading up for a player like Bryce Young, just I, I just I kind of bristle at it. I, I mean, I get it; he's a really polished player, but he's tiny, um, like high school point guard, uh, tiny. And it just makes me wonder: is a team really going to be? Is a team really going to give up a bunch of assets to come up and trade a player as small as he is? And I think he's, I think he's smaller than we even know. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we. If the reality is, is he played in you know in the in the 170s and low 180s um, as a quarterback, which is just super small. So you know, um, I think in order for four to go, a team has to make a trade up you know with the, up to Chicago with, with pick one to take a quarterback and kind of start that run. Um, if that doesn't happen, then then you know Houston gets to sit at pick two and take who they want, and it's possible that Arizona doesn't have you know much in the way of trading. I mean, it's all speculative. I, I don't know. Um, you know, sec- the second part of the question is, are the Lions involved in any of these these four? Um, there's one player that stands out to me, and but I'm afraid that Mike's going to reach through the phone and strangle me if I say his name, so I'm go not going to. No, I'm going to strangle Kenny, but go ahead. <laughs> you know who it is. It's Richardson. He's, to me, he oh, is. no. Yeah, I know, I know. Oh. So watching him, he does – he already does some things at a fairly uh, strong level that are not teachable. I know he's got accurate, some, some – he misses layups, and it's super frustrating to see it. Like, you know, he'll hit a 55-60 yard throw down the field, and then he'll miss uh, a, a running back wide open in the flat. And, and when I mean miss, I mean, like, he's he's seven yards away from you, and you missed him by nine yards. Um you know, so there's there are small fundamental things that that need to be fixed with his feet, and and sometimes he gets he gets real toesy, and he uh, he'll get his his feet way too narrow, and then he and then I think there just there are times when he he just relies on his arm strength just to rip throws when his mechanics are not great, but the things that you can't teach pocket presence and uh, stepping up in pockets and, uh, you know, and navigating pressure and not, and sort of being unfazed by pressure. Those are things he already does pretty well. So, you know, um, in the end, I'd be stunned if the lions 
did anything early with with quarterbacks. I think you're looking more like um, potentially a player like Hendon Hooker. Uh, you know, a little bit later in the draft, might what be round do you think he's? Them. What round do you think he'll go in? Because that's the guy I was looking at. And you, I would, I think round two is a place he's where going he would, I mean, he's a he's a he's a first round player. It's just the ACL and the age. Um, you know, but it's a deep it's a deeper class. He's he is twenty four, and you know he's got the ACL, and then the, the Tennessee offense is not really an offense that, that you would even consider uh, – you're going to see that kind of stuff at the, at the NFL level. So there's some, there's some progression that he's going to have to make that you, that you haven't necessarily been able to see. So, you know, there's a little more at risk with him. But um, to answer the question, I, I would be surprised if they, if they did take a quarterback at six. I, just, I would be. Well, what about 18? I mean, if you like a quarterback at 18, you probably should have taken him at six. Um, that's just the nature of how the, how right. desperate teams are for quarterbacks. You know, um, I mean, if somebody falls that they really like, I, I suppose that's a, that's something that could happen. But I can't, I can't, I don't see any of the the big four falling to 18. I just don't. Yeah, I agree with that. That's why I was thinking that um, if the Lions trade back out of six. I could see them possibly taking a quarterback if there's no other player there. But there are players there that can help them this year. Jalen Carter, outstanding his his police incident. Um, Will Anderson, maybe Tyree Wilson. These are guys that can help them this year. I think. And um, I'm not a big Without fan. A of, I'm not a big fan of cornerbacks in the top ten. Mike knows how I feel about that. I'm still reeling over the Jeff Okuda pick. So I'm not yeah. I'm not in favor, especially when there's cornerbacks you can get in the second round or you know whatever that may not be as good as the top guys, but are not that far off. And it's just yep. the value to me is not a top ten for a cornerback unless he's Deion Sanders or somebody with incredible speed can play offense, defense, do a punt returns, kick off. You know, something more than just being a cornerback. I just I just don't yeah. see the value in a, a cornerback that high. Well, and you're right too. It's a very deep class of corners. What about a kid like Witherspoon? There's an awful lot of people who like him. I think he could be the first first quarterback off the board. Devin Witherspoon? He, yep. He could be. Um, again, size. Uh, I think size matters when you're talking about a player who plays the way he plays. I think he'll be uh, – I mean, he fits the Lions perfectly. He is a junkyard dog. He 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 brings it all the time. It's it's just, you know, at five – whatever he's going to be, 5'11 range – and 185 maximum pounds. Um, are you really spending? Are you really uh, using the sixth pick on a player small like that? Um, and I, you know, I'm not sure that he's going to test great when it comes to some of the shuttles. Uh, I think he's fast, but I think there are some. There is some times on film when he does get run by when he's playing an off man. So, you know, when he's seven or eight yards off of the receiver, when he has to turn and run with them as he's meeting them, he loses ground. And it makes me, it just makes me wonder if there's a little bit of stiffness in his hips. And, and then you, you'd look at the size thing. And I think he's much more a candidate at 18 than he is at six, but at 18, he's just kind of a slam dunk, you know, uh, right. he fits perfectly with that, with what they want. Right. No, I'm 18. I'm a problem with a corner, but not, not early. Um, who is your best prospect? Who is your number one guy that you've seen so far that you say uh, 
Just give me a top couple of guys. Is it the quarterback first? Is it Will Anderson first? Is it Carter? Who who is it? It is not guy? Will Anderson. I, I I do not. I worry about Will Anderson's game. Um, he misses a ton of tackles. I want to say his missed tackle rate, according to Pro Football Focus, is around twenty four percent for his career, which is incredibly high. Um, and I just worry about his fit in the NFL. And his position, because I mean, if it's it's really weird too. I have a hard time with this one because he's obviously a very good player. But when you look at last year's film, he looks like a different guy to this year. And this year, they they you know it makes it makes me wonder because Alabama jams him inside and plays him as a four eye and sometimes as a three technique at you know two hundred and thirty five pounds. It's just weird to see it. So. It makes me wonder if Alabama won't let this guy rush off the edge, and if he's not really winning against tackles off the edge. I don't, you know, it's tough. It's 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 a tough thing with him, and I know I know people love him. I don't like him as much as as others do, but you know, um, having said that, I understand what what the lure is there. Uh, Tyree Wilson is a huge kind of moldable ball of clay. I don't think he's gotten great coaching at Texas Tech, but I think he's I think he can be. Uh, you know, in multiple ways, in multiple positions, a kind of a monster for you. But to me, I think the best player in the draft is Jalen Carter, and I think he is exactly what the Lions need as a three-technique interior rusher. Uh, think about him and Aleem McNeil occupying three blockers, singling up Hutchinson and and James Houston and Josh Pascal and anybody else that they've got coming off the edge. I just think he really – he his presence alone would would take that defensive line and make it very very dangerous. So that's kind of where I am. And from a Lions perspective, I think it's Jalen Carter is, is probably you know their number one player. Mike. Hey Kenny, I'd like to ask you guys about a, diff, a different player. That's an offensive lineman, Peter Skaronski from from Northwestern. All of a sudden, he's in the top six, top seven, top eight, something like that. What a team like a team like the Detroit Lions, who are already strong at the offensive line, took another one in there, and all of a sudden you're playing with five aces. Yeah, it's a great it's a great thought. Um, he'd be he'd have to play guard. He uh, you know he reminds me a little bit of Rashawn Slater, where he's he moves great. He's got great feet. He's got good hands, all that stuff. But he does he does uh, struggle a bit with power. So I worry. I worry a little bit about whether or not moving him inside the guard makes some sense, but uh, but if you're at six and you know there's and it and the draft goes in a way in which you know some of the players that you covet are gone, there's a bunch of worse ways you can do things, and and um, I mean that really addresses the edges of your offensive line for a very very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean between Penny Sewell and Skaronski and Taylor Decker, I don't think you'd really have to be thinking about tackle for a while. So I, I would understand it, uh, and and I don't think it's completely out of the realm just because he's a really good player. I think there are conversations in Chicago that that the Bears are having right now, um, and I would tell and I, and I, they are. Uh, if they're stuck at one, I would think Skaronsky is a player they would consider. Wow, Man, I know that wow. sounds nuts, but <laughs> but if you know if you don't love Will Anderson, and you've got, you know Jalen Carter's got some of the issues that he's got legally. Um, Skaronski can come in and play, you know, three or four positions for you immediately at a pretty high level. It's not like they don't need that. 
you know, they do. And you can't, you know, with, with all of their needs, I'm not sure that if you're stuck at one, that might be one of the better ways to help a player like Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. All right, I got two last questions for you, Scott. Uh, first, um, 18 for the Lions. I don't know where you fall in on this, but B. John Robinson or your theory on running backs in the first round, what are they? And the second one is give me your top three quarterbacks in the order you, you would choose them. Okay, so we'll do the Bijan one first because the mm-hmm. quarterback one is almost not gonna, <laughs> it's just not gonna matter. Um, I, I, you know, it's interesting because I understand where the NFL's gone with the running backs not being taken in the first round, but Bijan is a very special player. I think he is easily a top five player in this entire class, and maybe even better, maybe more than that. Um, I don't think that the, I don't know that there's a, a bunch of teams that that it would make sense for them like if you're telling me Arizona is going to take Bijan Robinson at three I would tell you that's crazy because it's not like they're winning you know and it's not like you have a good offensive line where, where you're really going to utilize him but the Lions incredibly the Lions winning window is is it's open like it's now it's here and when you look at the offensive line that they have and the offense they have, a lot of the, you know the play action stuff and the things that they do, running power and all those things. It fits Bijan fits perfectly. So I think the Lions are one of the few teams that could make that kind of a move, and it would make sense. Um, Mike, I don't know what you think, but the, but you know the running backs in the first round are generally, I think. I mean, I get it that you wouldn't necessarily do that, but I think Bijan is good enough that he should he does fit in that in that range. Uh, he's a really good player. Yeah, well, Scott I, and Kenny might be in the same category as me. I grew up on running backs, okay? They were your, your number one player just about. Yeah. You saw them come off the board first, second, third, fourth, fifth all the time. You don't see that anymore. And I think part of that is because if they're not doing it, why should I? And sort of, yep. you know, they're kind of following the leader on that. But, yeah, this yeah. is a terrific prospect. And in my last – I've had two mock drafts out, and I you know, I really thought about him at 18, but he's, he's still on the board at 18. He really is. Yeah. Not, not for yeah, ability, and it's, just because I'm trying to project what I think is going to happen. Yeah, and it's tough to find a, a home for him before pick 18. It really is. The only one I would say is Philly at 10. Watch them. That's, I know, but that defense is so I know, old. I know, but don't he, right? But if you put Hurt and Bijan in the backfield <laughs> together, uh, we going to need defense. I, I mean, we'll just, we'll just outscore you. That's the only yeah, team. Yeah, but I think you could say the same thing about the Lions well, at 18. I, I, like, right. Like, if he's there at 18 you know, for the Lions, I'm grabbing him. I, I'm, I'm not Brad Holmes, but I'm grabbing him. If he's there at 18, I'm grabbing him, and I'm not looking back. Well, he would certainly give you a ton of production very quickly. I just think that the the thing that you know fans and, and, and you know people need to recognize is that if, you're, if you are taking a running back in round one, you really need to cement yourself – in the, in the idea that you can't pay him a second contract, which reduces the the upside of the player. But, you know, at pick 18, you, you might take a corner who may or may not pan out, flip a coin. But Bijan's going to work. Exactly, and I hear that all the time. But my thing is, if, and I was talking to Mike about this, I think, last week. If I get five years out of any first-round pick, that's a success to me. And if you got five years on your running back and you're winning, you know, you're not losing, taking three of these years to rebuild, you're starting to win right now. You're getting five prime years out of a back. That's a win. If you don't you yeah. didn't get to say, that's a win. So yes, it is. And, and go ahead, Mike. The other thing is, yeah, and if, and if you get five years out of a quarterback, then you've got to pay him, well, five years from now, you've got to pay him $60 million a year. 
Right. You don't have to do that with a running back. <laughs> exactly. That, that's this is true. Because there's another huge, you know, lot of money coming into to the salary cap and, and, and all of that. And it's going to look, the players are going to get rightfully their share of it. And it's going to be the quarterbacks are going to get the next contract. It's going to be 60 million. Yeah, and quarterbacks up. and receivers are, are going to really. I mean, yeah, that's absolutely. you know, it's going to be an issue for the Lions. They're going to yep. have to pay Amon Ra, and they're going to have to maybe you know, pay Jamo. Um, you hope. Yeah, you hope <laughs> to pay. I said hope. maybe pay him. That's what I said. Maybe pay yeah, him. Yeah. And yeah. All right, give me your quarterbacks in 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 one, two, three, four. For the Lions? No, just give me the order that you think they are from the top one to the fourth one. Okay. Um. Are we talking about having to play them in year one? or <laughs> no, I'm doing no, my best to get out no, of answering no, this question. <laughs> just, uh, just the ones which will – okay, put it like this. I'll make it easier Who would for you, you take? In four years, give me I one would take Richardson. Four. Richardson at number one. I would take Richardson before I take any of these other quarterbacks just because of his upside. I also know that that's a swing – it's a serious swing at the fences. Um, I worry that Bryce Young cannot hold up physically at the NFL level. I, he, I just think he's too small. Mm-hmm. And then I look at Stroud, and I know that he had that nice game against Georgia in the in the you know in the the playoffs. But I also saw him play Michigan twice, and I saw him play Northwestern, where he was doing some. Not that he didn't play well, but just his body language off the field, um, bizarre things. Uh, reminded me a little bit of the Jay Cutler Chicago Bears stuff, hmm. um, and and there's a little bit of a statuesque quality about his game where where I worry that he is not a player who's going to make things happen outside the structure of a play, and I think you know the fourth coming in fourth is a very toolsy player than Will Levis, but you know, um, I mean, and and having said that, I can tell I would tell you that. I think the Houston Texans might be higher on Will Levis than they are on any of these other quarterbacks. So it's just going to be dependent on teams. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I, that's the way I would look at them. But I, but understand that if, where I'm coming from, quarterback evaluation is very hard. There are just there's so many things that we don't know that they're being asked to do. Uh, I know the Florida offense is, is a difficult offense to play in. The offensive line's not great. There's a lot of pressure. Uh, and they do ask him to throw the ball down the field a lot, which is there's a lot. So when you look at completion percentage and that kind of stuff, we have to we have to help him a little bit there and bump some of that stuff. But it's undeniable um, that he needs to improve his accuracy. Period. That's undeniable. But there are other things that are undeniable too, and you know his ability to deal with pressure and you know step up in the pocket and navigate these things is pretty. It's really good. Uh, for a very inexperienced player, so those are those are things that you really can't teach. Um, but again, these guys are all going to be swings. You know, t- you're just taking swings at the fence. That, right. That's kind of where it is right. with this position. Well, It'd be man. different. Like if Bryce Young, honestly, if Bryce Young was like six two and two hundred and five pounds, he would be the first pick. It would, there would be no argument, and te- the Bears would may have already made a trade. Because um, teams would be clamoring for him, he's that good. It's just a matter of his size. Yeah, I'm gonna give you this one stat, Mike. Then you can uh, ask your question, Mike. Um, this goes to Richardson, who had like a 54 percent completion in college. Only four quarterbacks in the last 25 years have been drafted in the first round with that completion percentage. And I'm gonna give you these four quarterbacks. So this is you can take this as you want. Kyle Bowler, Jim Bruck- <laughs> Druckenmiller, Ryan oh Leaf, and Jake Locker. Uh-huh. So he's in the class with those guys. Now, you see what happened with them. I'm just wondering, 
you know, everybody talks about improving accuracy and improving, but that fifty four percent is low, man. That's 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 just low. And it's low. I think I think if you look at his adjusted accuracy, it's in the it's in the low sixties. Just when you take away the throwaways and the drops. Um having said that he still needs to improve his accuracy. He just does. But when you when you start taking things away though, you can do that for other quarterbacks too. You yeah. absolutely can, yeah. for sure. It just Florida's got a lot more throwaways. I mean, the, the one thing, the one thing a lot of people don't talk about with him, and this is this is a little bit what I'm talking about with the pocket stuff, is that as he was he saw pressure on 30 plus percent of his dropbacks, and he only sacked 13 times last year. So, you know, you got a you got a guy who really does a good job of of avoiding negative plays. Um, you know, so I mean, there's there's a lot to like about him, but but. You know, again, it's undeniable, and it would be silly to make the case that you know he's he doesn't that he's you know a complete prospect who's who's good to go. No, he's there's there's work to be done. That's why the Lions is a nice spot for him, mm. simply because he wouldn't have to play for a year. All right, and that's that's a wonderful thing. It's just you know, um, are they willing to swing for the fences at pick six? I don't think they will, but I, I mean, again, I, I like him more than probably a lot of people do. Um, I also understand that quarterback evaluation is very, very difficult, and there's really, you know, there's no great answer to that. To any of that stuff. If, I think if you were to ask me a different question and ask me who you, who I think of those four guys who becomes the best pro, most likely it's probably Bryce Young. Mm. I'm just, I just wouldn't be willing to gamble. To, gamble on on a 190 pound right. smaller than a 190 pound guy surviving at the nfl level i just wouldn't i hear you all right scott we've held you up long enough uh mike you got any last uh question over there before we let scott go or are we in this podcast for today well just one thing about cj Stroud. the first time i saw him outside the tackle box is when he played against michigan last year he just seemed to be rooted to one position i didn't see an awful lot of movement from him and that would be one thing that would worry me about him but i think he's a terrific pro- project prospect he absolutely is it's just he is he is a pocket passer first and foremost and and there's really not more to his game um but he's a very i mean i think he's the most accurate thrower of the football i don't think he's got a huge arm but he's really accurate he does he does he the things that he does well he does really well it's just if you put him behind let's say he gets drafted by carolina whatever um, and the and that offensive line is pressured and 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 he has to deal with pressure. It's it's not going to go well, right? So the destination for him is going to be is going to matter a bunch. Uh, I, I mean, I think the Lions' offensive line is good enough that a player like Stroud could survive and do and do good things. But we're seeing the trends in the NFL these days is that you need quarterbacks. You know, look at look at the teams that advance in the playoffs. The, the teams that are winning and making moves in the playoffs are teams that have quarterbacks who are somewhat dual threats who can who can make plays outside the structure of a play and when they're pressured they're either uh getting out of the pocket and throwing the ball down the field still or running a little bit and that's just kind of where the nfl is all right scott well thanks for joining us today and Anytime, we're going to get you again before the draft because i want to ask you about the pittsburgh tackle but we'll get to that next time the D tackle because that's the guy I've been looking at. We'll talk about that closer. He's to a the fun game. watch, isn't yes, he? Yes, he is. We'll talk about yeah. that. Michael here, I give yep. you three weeks to get get up on the same page with us, okay, Mike? <laughs> Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yes, the Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> See you guys. You guys. Uh, you guys be well. It was great talking to you. All right. Thank you. That's Scott Bischoff yep. from the Detroit Bye. 
Lions podcast. And that'll be it today. Michael Hare from the uh, DetroitLions.com. Check out his writings. Ken Brown, WGR, the Mitch Album Show. And we'll see you next week on the K&M Podcast.